Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week. It's doggy pond time. Welcome, welcome everyone to the Doggy Pod, and I'm Dr. Rob Zammett with producer extraordinaire. You're very kind, Stephen Peters here, and in this week's episode, we're going to talk about the best kind of leash for your dog, big or small, but one of those retractable ones or one of those really tiny ones for uh, what's the best leash for your dog breed. Mm, very interesting, believe it or not, and I'll also talk about a plan for your dog if it gets diarrhea, and believe it or not, that's the most common reason dogs go to the vet, diarrhea, really? mm, oh, gives okay. you the shits. <laughs> and Dr. Rob's also going to tell us about the rarest dog breed in the world, the rarest dog breed in the world, I have no idea what it is, and I'm pretty excited to find out, and in Dr. Rob's top five this week, which is, seems to be causing controversy every week. Isn't it? What? Yeah, gee. Dr. Rob, he's going to tell us the best dog for would-be hairdressers, and that is the dogs that require the most amount of work to groom them and look after them, the dog most likely to leave hair all over your couch. But before we get into that top five, uh, how's the week been in the, in the clinic this week? Oh, it's been good, except for one very, very sad case, which I'd would like to share with our listeners. Please do. These two Cavalier King Charles Spaniels, they came to me some eight, nine years ago, and they were very sick dogs with a lot of problems, not expected to live long, uh, but they have. They certainly lived a long, long time, Jack and Rose. Jack and Rose Holland are just two gorgeous dogs. Of course, their names, for those that uh, do watch the movies, the Titanic, yes. Jack and Rose. Yes. And they just loved each other so much, and it showed me the bond of dogs because a few weeks ago Jack got very sick and they always when they got sick 
They used to come into hospital. One of them got sick. They'd both come in together. And this happened again. He came in. I looked after Jack, and thankfully we got him home for another few weeks. And I was still worried about Rose. And when, as it happened, two weeks later, Jack started getting sick again, and so did Rose. They both went downhill together. And this time... What sort of sick? What's wrong with well, them? Well, because of old age. You know, I got them to much older age than How expected. old were they? They were about 13 years old now, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> running into kidney and liver failure together. They were brother and sister and loved each other and bonded, and it just showed me the bonds that these animals have. And we talked and talked about it. <clears throat> After trying various things, we elected they should go together. And oh. we were, it was very upsetting for me. It was um, extremely upsetting. That's intense. It, the decision was made, in fact, it was my day off, and I wasn't going to have a day off and not be there for them. I'd rather not be there. I'd rather be a million miles away than have to do what I had to do. But I had to be there for them and for their owners, and so we they went together, literally went together. So how did you do that? What did you oh, tell, they, tell us about They it? both had a catheter in their leg and ready to go, and I put two needles in each, you know, one in each catheter, and literally... They were lying next to each other? Lying next to each other, and they both just fell asleep lying next to each other. It was one of the saddest oh. moments of my life. It was a very, very sad moment. And it also reminded me that, you know, this week the owner has been battling with the loss, of course. Yeah. She yeah. agreed that they had to go. She accepts it and she had closure on that and being there with them. But, gee, it's tough, you know. And I want to say to people out there, especially during these really strange times when we can be, unfortunately, isolated and alone, have a think about who you can ring, people you can contact, people you can talk to during those sad times, especially if you're grieving for the loss of, of any friend. Uh, just think seriously about yourself and looking after yourself in that way but it was it was tough I haven't got over it myself yet um, I've had some pretty sad times about um, thinking about them I have two that's, beautiful pictures that were given to me of one of Jack and one of Rose and that's quite rare though isn't it to do that oh it is it's it's but the, the bond in the, with these dogs was so strong I mean, when they were sick I would bring them in and uh, often I'd be sitting up there at night writing or, or doing some paperwork so I'd bring him into my consult room mm-hmm. and Jack would trot up and he'd want to be on my lap. And Rose wasn't so much that way, but if he's on the lap, she was going to be there as well. So she'd come up and they'd, I'd sit with both of them. I got very, very close. I do get too close, I know, to my animals, as I call well, it's them. It's hard all. not to when they're looking uh, at you, in the eye, at, you know, directly oh, you, in the eyes. Stephen, I'll never forget the look of these dogs, the, mm. the way they look at me in the eyes because they're just so beautiful, beautiful. Two Cavalier King Charles Spaniels. Jack and Rose, I love them forever. Do you, do, you think, do you think they had a sense of what was going on or not? No, I think that they had... You know, I want to think that they had relief when the time came. Hmm. They were, uh, especially Jack, not eating anymore, vomiting every time, you know, often. We were pumping fluids into him. We tried dialysis. We'd done that before, uh, which is abdominal dialysis. We don't have a dialysis, dialysis machine for kidney failure, but we can do what's called abdominal abdominal dialysis where you put special fluids in the abdomen mm. and then you get those fluids out and they take a lot of toxins with them. That's what dialysis does. It filters your blood to get rid of toxins. There are other ways of doing it, not as efficient as a dialysis machine, but way too expensive and impossible to maintain one for, for uh, animals, of course. So we do what we can. We, As I said, we relieved his symptoms and he picked up a lot some two, three weeks prior, but 
it all caught up with him. The kidney mm. failure was just too much for him and uh, and Rose was going down the same route and it was really amazing. Her kidney enzymes were even higher when we, we checked them. They'd been fine mm. a few weeks before. So is 13 uh, a good age for oh, that look, breed? <clears throat> sometimes I've seen Cavaliers go to 14, 15, even uh, we had one Cavalier that was uh, 19 and a half. Wow. Which is really old for a Cavalier. It varies from dog to dog. But, yeah, usually little dogs... I would have liked to have seen them get a little bit older, but then I want to see every dog get a little bit older. Okay, all of us that have a dog, which is probably most people listening to this podcast. I hope so. (laughs) Thank you very much, by the way. Um, Of course, we've all all got leads, a leash for our dog, uh, and there's so many different types, and I guess you choose it depending on... um, what size, what, what sort of breed of dog you have. Uh, now, I've just found out before we recorded this that the one I use is probably not the best, according to Dr. Rob. But anyway, he's going to talk us through all the different types of leads and, and, and what works best and what's, what's the best for your dog as well. Yeah, there's so many on the market. Um, everything from steel, you now made out of metal and made out of all sorts of products. For me, the best two types either a webbing lead made out of stiff webbing, you know, the ones that you put... Um, when you've got a backpack on and you've got those that webbing across your shoulders, mm, mm. that sort of lead made out of that type of webbing, which is really solid, or a leather lead. The leads that I don't like are metal leads because they cut into oh, do your you hands. Chain, the chains, yeah. yeah. Right. Any of the chains for me are out. Um, and, of course, retractable leads. I had a friend who let his dog off on the retractable lead. Mm-hmm. A person, okay, the person wasn't watching because they were on the telephone uh, while they're walking along texting. They tripped over the lead and mm-hmm. fell on mm-hmm. a gravel road. Now, not a good look, Stephen, so when that happens, so... Gee, yeah, that imagine re- that happening, uh, Dr. Rob. Retractable okay. leads, okay. and we've had worse than that. We've had dogs break their legs with, with retractable leads. So for me, a retractable lead is not part of the journey for dogs. But like my it. dog loves her little running around and be able to go about four or five metres away from me and then sprint back again and, yeah, and all you, of that, except for the time that that person tripped over the Oh, that was you, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, we won't talk that. about that. So, yes, I, that's a few reasons I don't like You don't get control of your dog. And that brings me to the next part of a lead, of course, is the collar. You've got to have control of your dog. And what sort of collar do I like? Um, yeah, leather collars are good because they're nice and solid and you can have them on firmly. Just be careful the dog doesn't slip. You know, if you have it on loose, the dog can slip out of that. Halties are very good. And I like to put a leather collar and a halty together as a combination. And your veterinary nurses or your dog training classes, they'll show you how to use those sort of things. And that gives you control of the head. It's the old adage, control the head and you can control any animal. You, know, you see big stallions and big bulls all with halters on. But what are you calling a, halt, a halter, like ones that go around there? That goes their, around the, their... the, the muscle and then at the back of the head. It, oh, it's not, okay, it's right. not there to stop them biting. Not a harness. Or, no. no, I find harnesses very difficult. Harnesses, you know, most harness was first invented for a dog to pull. You know, they're right. sled dogs, they're mm. called. They go into harness and they pull. So most of the harnesses will, will be very difficult to control your dog. Because you've got to, you know, it becomes a war of, of strength. Who's the strongest? Especially if you've got a big dog. It's okay if you've got a little dog. But again, make sure if you do use a harness, they're on very firmly because you don't want the dog slipping backwards. I have seen people 
walking along with a harness, all of a sudden all they're doing is holding the harness and the dog's gone backwards <laughs> and taken off because it's got an interest somewhere else. So put the harness on very firmly if you use a harness. And harnesses, yeah, more for little dogs because it's very hard. You, you put a Siberian in a, in a harness, Siberian Husky, and it just wants to pull because it's been bred for that. Mm. Um, but a lot of big dogs, they will pull you over in a harness. I prefer to control the head. Those type of things that control the head, for me, are much better. And so that goes with a leather or webbing lead, not chains. Chains cut into your hands, can certainly cut into your dog if they wrap around the leg. We've had, uh, mm. I've had one leg that was denuded. The skin was cut up the top and, and pulled down. We had to pull it all up and stitch it all up and try and save as much skin as possible. So chains for me are not a good idea. I don't understand why people have chain leads. Plus, the links break and you don't because you can't see them wearing down. All of a sudden it breaks and the dog mm. takes off. Maybe rusting. Yeah, so well. if you've got a leather lead, okay, if, it, if a dog chews a bit of it, you can see, oh, got to get a new lead. Same with the webbing lead. I've used it too much and it's wearing down. Time to get a new one. Very important to have the right lead. You don't want your dog giving off and running on the road and getting hit by a car. Is there an ideal length for this lead? Um, one I use, I like to use leads are about six foot length. You can so use shorter ones. Up, up to two metres, maybe. Yeah. I mean, the only time I'll use a really long lead and a harness is if I'm teaching my dog to do tracking work, you know, where they go out and they, they have to find someone that's hiding in a bush and that's part of a tracking trial and... It's a lot of fun training the dog to do that, but that's the only time. I, and then I'm way back, way back um, behind the dog. The dog's leaving me on the track where it has to go to find the person. That's a different type of thing. It's mm. the only time I use a harness. Um, with the guide dogs, people say, oh, but hang on, the guide dogs are in harness. Yes, they are in harness. They also have a metal check chain around their neck as well. They have both together. Mm. So they, they've got full control, and they're trained like that as well. There you go, everybody. Go and check your harness, your, your lead, your leash, all of that. See how you shape up. Okay, another thing that all dog owners uh, come across at one stage uh, in their dog's life, often more than one, is, you know, the dog will throw up because of something, but also the dog will have diarrhoea. Mm. Your dog will have diarrhoea. And, and I think most of us would freak out. We'd think uh, he or she's eaten something and is, has been poisoned or whatever. But, you know, Rob tells us it's actually a lot more common than you think. Yeah. And, and should we worry? And what should we do if it's uh, persistent or is it just a one-off? No, you always worry because you hope it's a one-off and if it's a one-off, no big deal. But you always observe and watch. So what do we look for why does it even happen it Mm. happens because dogs do just that you're right Stephen what do they eat what do they consume a dog will walk around and sniff something and think oh what's that and he'll lick it now maybe you're licking a whole heap of bacteria you know yucky water with uh, various bugs inside and the dog will have a little lap of that they go into his gut and cause problems. See, I think we often think our dogs are indestructible because they eat stuff off the floor and they (laughs) bury their bones covered in dirt and whatever and and you kind of just think, my dog can eat anything. And they can't. They Mm. can't. They they pick up bugs just like we do. And and there are certain bugs that are lethal to a dog, of course. You know, parvovirus attacks the gut Mm. and can kill the dog if it's not vaccinated. So there are a lot of bugs out there. So if you see diarrhea in your dog first thing to do is check your dog have a look lift up its gums if the gums are very pale or white 
Get thee to the veterinary surgeon straight away, <laughs> please. Don't muck around. If the, if the dog is suffering... Pale gums. Pale gums. If the dog's very lethargic and doesn't want to move, doesn't want to know anything, get to the vet. These are the signs. If there's if hemorrhage, of course, in the diarrhoea, again, that's a reason to go to the vet. Um, and if you get no response to our plan that we're about to give you in 24 to 48 hours, same deal. Go to the veterinarian. So what's our plan? First thing we do is don't feed the dog. Just allow it to have water and 24 hours, no food. So this is after one big, big <clears throat> one sloppy diarrhea. diarrhea. Yeah, yeah, just don't, don't feed it for, twi- for... Skip a meal tonight and we'll feed it tomorrow night. Leave the water there. Now, if the dog's drinking water and vomiting all the time, off to the vet because it's, these are signs of something pretty drastic that could kill your dog. Okay. So if that's not happening, your dog's happy enough and it's whatever, yes, it's going to want to eat, but you're just not going to feed it. You're going to play with it. Remember, I know it's hard. Food is not love, people. You know, the <laughs> Italians for years, mangi, mangi figlio, you know, eat, eat, eat. But no, food is not love. You know, the, the Greeks... You know, I like that. Food is not love. Yeah, so the, the Greeks tell you, you, you eat? No, we make you a little snack then. So just back off with the food with dogs because that's the other thing. I'm seeing too many obese dogs. We'll talk about that in another chapter of the doggy pod. But uh, yes. just ease off with the food. But if they've had diarrhoea, skip one meal. Now, the next meal that you give them should be cooked white rice. You cook the white rice in lots of water and do not rinse the rice and do not drain the water. That rice water is really important. It's got all the starch in it, which will coat the bowel and help relieve any problems in the gut for the dog, or most problem, a lot of the problems in the gut. So white rice mixed with either cooked chicken or cooked minced meat. The dog's not going to eat rice on its own. Mm. Most dogs won't. Labradors, well, they'll eat anything. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. most dogs won't eat just white rice. So you've got to mix it with something. You can cook the rice in a bit of stock, if you like, because that'll give it flavour and electrolytes. I do want the dog to get electrolytes. Like chicken stock or yeah, something Yeah, chicken like stock's that. fine. So you cook it in that, add a bit of cooked mince with it, mix it all together, and that's the meal. If everything has settled down, then slowly bring it back onto its diet over two or three days. Don't just go, oh, here's your, here's your old food back. Just do it steadily to make sure everything stays okay. And if it doesn't, if the diarrhoea returns, again, off to the veterinarian. But white rice for me, not brown rice. Um, if you want to feed your dog brown rice, no problems with it, but you'll often see quite a lot of rice grains coming out in the droppings when, they, when you feed brown rice. They don't seem to digest that well at all. Okay. Don't get enough out of it. So cooked white rice, don't drain it, don't strain it. All that rice water in, mix with meat, cool it off and uh, feed them that for a couple of days and it should settle down very quickly. If you get very worried, you know, if on the night that it happens and you know, all of a sudden the dog has diarrhea, oh, what will I do? You know, it's night, I can't get to the vet and I do want to go, try something simple like, would you believe, cornflour can be very helpful. So you get like a ping on the size of the dog, either a teaspoon up to a tablespoon of cornflour Mix it with a little bit of water and just spoon it down the dog's throat. Gently. Just cornflour just mixed cornflour. with water. It can, it can coat the bowel and help relieve diarrhoea as well. That's a good tip. Mm. So, yeah, the bottom line is don't freak out straight away. No, it's a common problem in dogs. If your dog's happy and the gums are pink and everything looks fine, and you know, then it's, sorry, buddy, but I'm not feeding you tonight. Yeah, it's, just, it's hopefully just a one-off. Yeah.
Okay, we're now going to talk about something that I'm really looking forward to finding out what this breed is. And that is, what is the rarest dog breed in the world? Meaning, you know, what dog breed are there so few of that they are the rarest in the world? What, what is it? Ooh, for me, I end up coming up with a breed that we mentioned in the first doggy pod. Really? Yeah, I can't remember what it was. It was in the quiz and there were four breeds that we had to uh, talk about. You had to pick out of one. Mm. And you said, uh, was it the Norwegian Lundehund? Yes, that's right, the Lundehund. It's a very ancient breed of dog. Norwegian Lundehund. Lundehund. They believe Can you all say that at home, please, now? We'll just give you a second. Lundehund. There we go. Okay. Beautiful. It traces back some ancestors some 10,000 years ago when people in the Arctic were looking for dogs to help with work, with sled work and those sort of things, and uh, that's probably one of the, the rarest. There is another one called the Azwaki, or which is Azwaki. Azwa. <laughs> Don't ask me how to say it. Right. It's a very ancient uh, gaze hound, a bit like the Saluki. A what hound? A gaze hound. Gaze hounds are the Afghan hounds. They're oh, the okay. grey hounds. They're, they use their sight. Sometimes called sight hounds. So you've got the Saluki. Well, the Salukis the, go back <clears throat> to Egyptian, Egyptian yeah. times, yep. yeah. And so there's this other one as well, the Zwaka, and it's a, a very ancient breed of dog. Someone said, what about the Czech wolf dog? Well, yeah, I guess they're rare. Mind you, I have two of them that I look after, so I don't Maybe think Maybe not that rare. Well, not rare in your household. Yeah, that's right. What, so, you, what is rare? In the, I never know. If somebody wanted to buy a Lunderhound, yeah, could, 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 could you get one in Australia no, or not? No, I have not heard of any in Australia. Really? None at all. Um, well, so, so if anybody import. listening has got one, I believe there's some in America. Contact us. There are really? some in America, okay. so you can get import one. Another rare breed that somebody said. What about the New Guinea singing dog? Well, I don't know that the new sing, the New Guinea singing dog. No, is that a is, real dog? Oh yeah, it's a real dog. A it's New a Guinea singing, singing dog. dog. I'm not sure that it's Canis <laughs> familiaris. I, I don't know that it's domestic dog. It's a bit like the dingo. So we don't know whether the dingo, the Chinese have come out. They've written a paper about our dingo, would you believe? Really? And they said... Chinese vets? Well, Chinese researchers said that the dingo is just an ordinary domestic dog. Yeah. Yeah, right. And uh, COVID didn't exist either. Yeah, sure. So... um, (laughs) Well, we won't go there. Uh, But there's lots of other rare breeds. Tell Lindy Chamberlain that, I suppose. Oh, God. There are lots of other rare breeds, of course. The Griffon Niverna. The Kunja uh, Hunja, which is the the Ku Ku, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Kukir Hund. It's another Norwegian dog. Are these are these big dogs? No, generally? they're both um, they're both the the Griffon Nerivwa is a little guy, um, little French guy, and the that Kuki dog is uh, another Norwegian dog. They must have all the rare dogs up there. Right. Well. Okay. So there's lots. So of So there them. you go. The the probably. We don't know for sure, for me, but probably the, the most, the rarest dog breed in the world is... The Norwegian Lundehund. Okay, it's now time for what's becoming one of our more controversial little segments, could be because people tend to disagree with Dr. Rob. Surprise, surprise. Anyway, here is <laughs> his Dr. Rob's this week, uh, this week on Dr. Rob's top five. It's the top five, I guess, best breeds for people who imagine themselves as a hairdresser, and that is people who like to groom their dogs, like to brush their coats and look after them and also, I guess, people who don't mind cleaning up 
all that hair off their couch at the end of every day. Now, so starting from number five and working our way down to number one. The group of dogs that are the Poodles, Bedlington Terriers, Legados and Bichons, they're one group because they don't shed hair, so it's not on your lounge, but you have to trim their hair regularly. So if you want to trim a dog, learn how to scissor a dog, they call it, that's one of those would suit you well. So is that number five? That's number five, that group. The Poodles, the Bedlington Terriers, the Legado, the Bichons. I'm cheating again. I you know. are. Okay, coming in at number four. The Maltese. These guys have a lot of hair that's got to be brushed continually or they mat. So I'm not talking about those people when they just trim the hair off the dog. I'm talking about the people who want to keep that long, beautiful hair going. The Maltese. Not the Maltese Terrier. He's not the Terrier. He's just called the Maltese. Maltese coming in at number three. The Shih Tzu and his cousin, the Lazarapso. They're both very similar beautiful long hair. When you see it well kept, you think, wow. So people get attracted and want to buy a dog that looks like that, but then they think, oh, that's too much trouble. I'll trim it off. Nothing wrong with trimming it off because they are beautiful little dogs. The Lars Rapto, a bit bigger than the Shih Tzu, but both lovely dogs to care for. Coming in at number two. The Afghan. The Afghan, he had to be there. Long, long, silky hair. Um, I've owned them in the past. Not that Difficult to look after them, but you've got to be there all the time looking after them, constantly brushing them if you want them to look really beautiful and really long-haired. So coming in at number one as the best dog breed for people who love to groom their dogs because there's a lot to groom. What is it, Rob? It says it in the standard of the breed. It says profuse hair. That's (laughs) in the standard of the old English sheepdog, I'm sorry to say. They have a lot of hair and take a lot of work if you do not want to use the electric brush. You know what the electric brush is? It goes Mm -hmm. (laughs) takes it all off very quickly. (laughs) And you've got quite a few old English. Two. Many. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. So your couch obviously has lots of hair on it most of the time, I'm guessing. Well, they get groomed. They get groomed. Thank goodness. Anyway, that's uh, it for us this week. Thank you once again for listening. We really appreciate it. And and please go to our... uh, Facebook page. There's always lots of extra stuff there and some other videos and and subscribe to the Doggy Pod. We really appreciate it. And we will see you and hear you. Uh, No, you'll hear us. That's right. Uh, Next week on the Doggy Pod. And Conrad Lorenz was one of my heroes. He's still one of my heroes. He's a behavioural scientist from years ago, from the previous century. He said, there is no faith which has never yet been broken except that of a truly faithful dog. Hmm, I'm going to have to ponder that one. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's a bit too deep for me. Okay, we'll see. Bye all. Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.